Proverbs chapter 25 this evening. Proverbs 25, in a message I call Handling Our Anger Before It Handles Us. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 8. Let's stand together as we reverence the reading of God's Word tonight. Go not forth hastily to strive, lest thou know not what to do in the end thereof, when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, and discover not a secret to another, lest he that heareth it put thee to shame, and thine infamy turn not away. May God bless the reading of his word tonight is my prayer. You may be seated. Anger is a universal problem among humanity. God's people are not immune. God's preachers are not immune. And while I can describe anger as a universal problem, I should also say that all anger is not bad. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26 says very clearly, Be ye angry and sin not. Be ye angry and sin not. Now, there's all sorts of situations where we can be angry that would be covered by that statement in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26, and that is, be ye angry and sin not. We can be angry at ourselves. Anybody here tonight ever get mad at yourself besides me? Well, sometimes we ought to get mad at ourselves. <laughs> you know, that's not a, a bad thing. We've got a righteous cause. The same might be said for our spouse, our kids, even our grandkids. And all of it then can be brought under the heading of be ye angry and sin not. There are some things that are worth getting upset about. We have a righteous cause for anger. But uh, the same passage in Ephesians chapter 4 tells us uh, to be angry and sin not also says don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And uh, you remember, of course, I've told you before that the Hebrews reckoned time from sundown to sundown for the most part, although there were some areas in Israel I've learned recently that actually uh, had adopted the Roman calendar. But for the most part, the Hebrews reckoned throughout all their history Hebrew, or a day from sundown to sundown. So what the Bible was telling us was that uh, don't let your anger from today carry over to another day. After all, it's already ruined one day, and we don't let it, need to let it ruin a whole nother day. So we don't let today's anger carry over to, till tomorrow. We need to settle it. Be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. So there is such a thing as a righteous anger, anger that has a just motivation. And the Bible tells us that the important thing is that we don't sin while we're angry, and then that we don't hold on to anger uh, for an inordinate amount of time so that it ruins more and more of our days. Some have a temper and are very proud of it. And so when we're talking about angry, the Bible says be angry and sin not. Uh, there are those kinds of anger that the Bible warns us about. After all, the same passage, Ephesians chapter 4 that says, be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. We'll also say in down verse 31 of that same chapter in Ephesians 4. We'll mention wrath then as one of the things that we are to put away from us. Because it is a 
fruit of the Spirit. And there it's talking about those outbursts of wrath. Uh, those times when rage or anger gets the best of it. And what we usually call, yes, losing our temper. I'll say it again. A lot of people have a temper and they're proud of it. Um, it feels good, after all, to unload on somebody. I mean, just to let them have it. I understand that. It's, it has a temporary feeling of, of euphoria. I mean, we kind of like it. And I understand then when people talk about it, well, I've got a temper. Yeah. Thanks for the warning. <laughs> I've got one, too. Um, others don't struggle, though, with that flying into a rage that kind of way. Um, they let their anger seethe inside. And their outbursts take on the infamous uh, passive-aggressive behavior that we talk about so much and we see so frequently demonstrated. Uh, anger has a way of coming out in a lot of different ways. We see that Jesus, of course, very famously was moved with anger when he drove the money changers out of the temple. It wasn't what they were doing to him that had him upset. These people were operating a religious racket. The priests uh, had the opportunity then to examine any animal that would be brought in as a sacrifice. And, of course, there were then those kosher, those acceptable sacrifices, those pre-approved sacrifices that were ready for sale right here in the temple. Oh, I'm sorry, we can't use yours, but we've got this one grade A approved. And, of course, you know the price was astronomical. They were fleecing the pilgrims, those people who were coming to worship God, to serve God, to offer a sacrifice for their sins of all things. And there were those people buying and selling, the infamous money changers who uh, they were required to pay a, a shekel as a temple tax. Every male in, in Israel was required to pay this, and they had to pay it every year. And, of course, they had passed a law that it had to be paid with Jewish money. Not going to use that old filthy lucre, that old Gentile money with Caesar's image on it. No, you can't use that. But bring it over here now. We'll take it from you, and we'll give you this good old temple money, uh, Israel money. We'll give you a fine, approved shekel. And, of course, you can only imagine what the exchange rate was. This was a racket. Jesus called them what they were. You've turned this into a den of thieves. It wasn't, you see, what those people were doing to him. It's what they were doing to others. And Jesus' anger against them was righteous anger. He had every right to be angry. He should have been angry. And there are some things that should cause us to be moved with anger. We should be angry if we see some child being abused or we see innocent people being taken advantage of. And if you're not angry about that, then something may be wrong with you. We ought to be mad, angry, upset <coughs> about the drug traffic, about human trafficking, child abuse, terrorism. The list goes on and on and on of all the things that we can be angry about. And be angry and not sin. But then there's an anger that gets out of control. That's over the top. It's not necessarily with a righteous cause. And it moves us into sin. And this is where we all struggle. 
Honestly, I have to admit, sometimes I get angry about things that I shouldn't get angry about. And maybe I'm not angry about some of the things that I should be angry about. And I thought of both sides of that this week. But if there is areas where anger goes bad in our lives, and we have to learn how to handle it, thus the, the title of our message tonight, Handling Our Anger Before It Handles Us. And interestingly, we have an entire chapter of the Proverbs that is almost totally, it's not completely, there's other subjects that are mentioned to you. But this subject of anger and how to deal with it comes up again and again and again in Proverbs 25. Uh, now, the outline that I'm going to use tonight is what I call a classic outline. That is, uh, I've heard uh, sermons preached on this basically my whole life. And if I knew who it was the first one to come up with these points and arrange it that, in a certain way, I'd give them credit for it. Uh, but I don't know who it was. It's probably Herschel Ford and his simple sermons back in the 1930s somewhere along the line. Or maybe somewhere even before him. But somewhere along the line, I picked it up, and I'm going to use it. I always tell you when I can't improve on something, and this is a very good way of looking at this chapter and arranging the points that God makes to us in about how to handle our anger. And the first way is that we need to handle our anger patiently. Uh, Proverbs 25 and 8 says that, Go not forth hastily to strive. Now, if you're reading from a more modern version, or if you check that out when you go home sometime, uh, you might see that this refers to uh, taking a, someone to court hastily. Don't uh, file a lawsuit, basically, hastily against your neighbor. And that certainly is one of the ways that the word strife uh, can be interpreted in this passage. Do not go forth hastily uh, to strive with your, mayor, with your neighbor. But even within that context, there is the warning about moving hastily when a situation arises between us and a neighbor. And I'd remind you tonight that the neighbor is not defined biblically as that person that lives next to us. The Bible gives a much broader definition to that. Remember that uh, Jesus in the, uh, the Old Testament in law required us to love God and to love our neighbor. And in that context, it really just means our fellow man. Our fellow man. And Jesus made that plain when they came to him asking him to spell out who their neighbor was. Who, who are we responsible for to treat that way? And of course, that gave rise to the parable of the Good Samaritan to answer it. So our neighbor is not just that person who lives by us. It's our uh, fellow, fellow man. People with whom we interact and there are all kinds of situations then that can arise where anger would occur between us as individuals. This is far from the only passage then that warns us to be very patient in our interaction with this. Proverbs 18:13 is one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament. He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and shame unto him. He that answers a matter before he hears it. You see, uh, we all know it. There are two sides to every story. And if we make up our mind about who's right or who's wrong before we've heard both sides, the Bible says that's a folly and a shame to us. 
He that answers a matter before he hears it. And thereby the Bible gives us the responsibility of, of making sure that we're able to get another side to the story. Even if it's somebody that we're upset with, they still have a side to tell. And before we decide what they were doing or what they meant to do or what they were trying to do, we need to hear their side of the story. He that answers a matter before he hears it, go not forth hastily to strive. And if you're thinking, well, that's just a bunch of Old Testament stuff. And number one, don't think that way. (laughs) Uh, But number two, remember what James famously said. In the book that's often referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament, the book of James. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For, because, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Isn't that interesting? It's hard to do the right thing when you're angry. It's easy to do the wrong thing. And so James encourages to be very slow to wrath. And so we deal with anger patiently, patiently. Go not forth hastily to strive. The second the principle then that he gives us is that we are to deal with anger privately. Privately. It's right there in the passage, verse 9. So if he was indeed taking this, don't strive with your neighbor quickly. Do not go forth hastily to strive. And if that was the context of that, or if their meaning was indeed that they would take some kind of public action against their neighbor, then we could certainly make sense of this next passage. Verse 9, debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself and discover not a secret to another. Debate your cause with your neighbor himself. But even if it's just a more uh, a sedate, a, a more common kind of disagreement that we might have between uh, a fellow man or a brother or sister, uh, still there is that very, very powerful instruction. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself. Himself. You know, Jesus taught us to do the exact same thing. That is, if your brother offends you, he said in Matthew 18, go and tell it between you and him alone. Alone. I've referred to this as being the most often disobeyed commandment of the Lord Jesus. When somebody upsets you, you, the upset party, is to go the upset T is to go to the upset tur and tell it between you and him alone. I had a fellow tell me one time, he said, you know, that's risky. Yes, it is. If you're dealing with a person who's unscrupulous, I mean, how do you handle it if that person is... is what you're upset about them. They're saying something about you that's not true. And you say, well, I'm going to go and tell them alone. Well, they'll just, they can say whatever they want to. They can say, I said whatever. They can say, I did whatever. Yeah, 
Do you reckon maybe tonight that Jesus took that into consideration when he told us that? That there's a possibility that this is risky? Yes, he did. Because, in fact, the very next thing that he said was, and if you can't get it settled between you and him alone, what do you do then? You take two or three more, and then ultimately, he said, you bring it to the church. There is the possibility that somebody would be unscrupulous, that someone uh, would not be willing to settle things. But in in spite of all of that, Jesus still said, you go and you talk to him between you and him or you and whoever's upset you alone. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself. And the Proverbs in this passage then adds a second instruction. Don't tell anybody else. Discover not a secret to another. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 9 speaks to this. He that covereth the transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth the matter separateth very friends. Oh, wow. Don't tell anybody else. Here's a young married couple. They've just been married for a few weeks. And I know this is hard to believe, but they get in an argument. Newlyweds, marital bliss, right? Just a few weeks, but they get in an argument. And we'll blame it on the man. We'll say the man gets mad and says something he shouldn't say. Storms out of the house. Slams the door, knocks a picture off the wall. Now, in just a short time, he's going to recognize the error of his ways. He's going to be convicted of that. He's going to come back to his precious newlywed wife, and he's going to apologize and say, Honey, I'm so sorry. I, I was angry. Please forgive me for what I said. She forgives them. They make up. Everything's fine. Except for one thing. While he was gone, she told her mama. And it just went through the whole thing. Everything he said, everything he did. Within a few hours, oh, Husband and wife, they're all lovey-dovey again. Everything's fine with them. But guess what? Mama, don't forget. And her view of her son-in-law then has forever been changed. Why? Uh, Well, because a secret was divulged to another And so the Bible tells us then when we're in a position of strife with our neighbor, here's Proverbs 25, debate your cause with your neighbor and then don't tell it to anybody else. And the reason for that is pretty obvious because we'll settle things. If Christian people talk to one another and they work things out and they settle it, it'll be done between them. They'll find a way to reconcile it. Most of the time, the overwhelming Majority of the time. But if we have told others about it, it seems to take on a life of its own. And so we deal with our anger, first of all, patiently. Go not forth hastily to strive. 
Then we deal with our anger privately, privately. Then the next word is prudently, prudently. Verse 11, Proverbs 25 and 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Pictures of silver. Proverbs 15 and 1, a soft answer turneth away wrath. A soft answer. It's just a, a very fitly spoken word. A fitly spoken word. And that uh, refers to how that we, in a time of strife, should choose our words very carefully. Because we can either fix things or we can make them worse. And our words can do the same. And, and oftentimes it just all depends on the words that we say. One preacher illustrated by saying, here's a husband who says to his wife, Honey, when I look in your face, time just stands still. But he could also say, you have a face that can stop a clock. <laughs> same thing, but not the same. A word fitly spoken. It's like apples of gold and a pitcher of silver. Oh, just something that just so carefully arranged. This is not something... Uh, that's just put out there, thrown out there. Uh, this is something very, very carefully arranged. In times of anger, they call for carefully chosen words to be spoken. And I'll add in this tonight. Only God has the wisdom to bring us through this thing well. But thankfully, the Bible tells us, if you lack wisdom, you say, I don't know what to say, I might make it worse. Well, when you lack wisdom, and you do, and I do, when we lack wisdom... Let him ask of God, who will answer that. He gives to all men liberally. He gives wisdom to all men and upbraideth not. That is, God doesn't get mad at us for asking him and telling him, God, I don't know what to say and I don't know what to do. And I need your help. God knows we need his help. And he's thankful when, or, or grateful. He responds with uh, a great power uh, when we ask him humbly for help. So we deal with anger patiently, we deal with anger privately, we deal with anger prudently. Be careful what you say. Here's another word, powerfully, powerfully. By long forbearing, Proverbs twenty-five fifteen. by long forbearing is a prince persuaded and a soft tongue breaketh the bone. <laughs> what a concept is that? You see, words have the power to persuade even the prince, even the king, can be persuaded by words. And so we take that to heart and make sure that we choose the path of true power with wisdom from above. And we then forbear and we speak softly and carefully, knowing that that can convince even the prince who's not easily convinced, a king who's not easily convinced. But forbearing words can convince even the king, and a soft answer breaks the bone. I thought hard and long this week as I was looking at this passage about how to illustrate this, and 
I think the best way is, was from, that I could come up with was my own experience. Uh, my mother and father were um, very much convinced uh, that the Bible is pro-spanking. Spanking. Uh, mother more so than dad. Uh, in the sense that I got a lot more spankings from my mom than I did with my dad. And that could have just been that mom was around most of the time during the day and dad was gone to work. There were a lot of times when she would give me that dreaded, dreaded instruction. You just wait till your daddy gets home. Ooh, that was not going to end well. Now, daddy spanked me. He did. It hurt. It did. But what hurt me more was seeing the tears in his eyes. And those soft words. Oh, son, I'm sorry you did this. It hurts me that you've acted this way. Now, a spanking would hurt your backside. But I know what this passage is talking about when it talks about a soft tongue that breaks your bones. Nothing hurts like a broken bone that I've ever experienced in my life yet. <coughs> I'd say it would certainly have to be in our top ten. A broken bone. Soft words. We can speak very powerfully. And so we deal with our anger, with power, with forbearing and soft words. You'll like this one. Deal with our anger positively. Proverbs 25, 21. If thine enemy be hungry, Give him bread to eat, and if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. Does that sound familiar to you? Yeah, it ought to. If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For you'll heap coals of fire upon his head. And listen, the Lord shall reward thee. Wow. The Lord will reward you for being kind to your enemies. In that moment of anger, in a time of strife then, we can actually be positive with someone else. Do something good for them. Try to help them. Bake them a cake. Give them a cool glass of water. Because it brings something else into the equation when we do that. The Lord will reward you for it. The Lord will bless you for it. That is, the Lord goes to work with that. That's some coals of fire that it puts on their head. Why? Because God goes to work then. Now, we talked about this morning what happens on the other side of the aisle when the devil works to stir up strife, and we know how he loves it. But Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. The Lord shall reward you when you are kind to your enemies. I've seen that play out a few times over the course of my life. Um, 
But I have to admit to you tonight, I've never really done that probably as well as I should have. When somebody has been rude to you, been hateful to you, done you wrong, it's hard to turn around and do them right. It's hard. And if it weren't for that promise that God himself gives us, the Lord shall reward thee, we could never do it at all. Remember, Jesus said, Blessed are you when men shall revile you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. He said then, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. I know this will be hard for you all to believe too tonight, but uh, you know, I I, I used to argue online with, with preachers. I did. I, I, I did. Uh, please don't go looking for any of those arguments. Please don't. Y'all, y'all can probably find them. They're probably still out there because the Internet's forever. But I, I did. I argued with preachers for a while online. And I had a couple of them that just didn't like me very much. And I don't blame them because sometimes when I get to arguing, I'm not very likable. Uh, but one of them was just particularly rude to me. And I got to where I just started thanking him. You know, well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> now, I have to admit, I was being a little bit sarcastic. <laughs> I have to admit. Because I, I'd quote that passage, you know, rejoice, when men shall speak evil of you and, and say all manner of evil against you falsely, rejoice and be exceeding and glad. And for great is your reward in heaven. I tell you when, you, when you apply that principle sarcastically, it don't help nothing. I'll tell you that right now. Makes it even worse. That's why I quit and why I'm not on Facebook anymore. I, I just, it's part of me that likes that, likes it too much. If your enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. If he be thirsty, give him water to drink. If you'll heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord shall reward you. Hmm. Deal with anger positively. Deal with anger powerfully. Deal with anger prudently. Deal with it privately and patiently. One more. And that's personally. The chapter ends up, verse 28, with this statement. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that's broken down and without walls. And within the overall context of the passage, with so much packed in here about dealing with anger... We know that this is the last command, personally. Because a lot of times when we erupt with anger towards other people, the problem that we're facing is really in here. It's ourselves. And the very fact that that anger is erupting in us is proof positive that we're not really exercising self-control very well. And that is indeed a spiritual problem. And so something is going on. Something's happened inside of us. And a lot of times when we see people maybe behaving completely out of character for them. And just uh, being in a way that we've not known them at all to be. A lot of times there's something else going on in their life. Something's happening. It may be something as simple as a health issue. Uh, They may be struggling with something. They could be struggling with depression. 
And depression makes you do a lot of things that you normally wouldn't do. They may have gone through a personal tragedy. They may be themselves being hurt by someone else who's treating them very badly. But there's no way that they can reconcile that situation. And the hurt is just there. And then anything that happens anywhere else in their life, it just begins to work out. That can happen to people. And I phrased it in that third person kind of way for a reason. Because it can happen to me. And it can happen to you. And so the Bible talks about how that a person who doesn't rule his own spirit. Then it's like a defenseless city. You've let your defenses down. And we need to get them back up. (laughs) And we know that our defenses are down because this anger is just busting out. That's our defenses are down. But what we don't realize is that when we've let our defenses down like that, then the enemy can come in. And he does. He does. So while our anger is going out, the enemy is coming in. That's one of the main reasons why the Bible warns us about not giving a place to the devil. Because we can do that. We can just issue an invitation Hey, the walls are down here. (laughs) Gates are wide open. Don't you think the devil notices when our walls are down and our gates are open? Our defenses are down. And he's going to come in and have a field day. And so a lot of times when we're feeling that anger and we're feeling that upset, we need to take a long look at ourselves. Is there something going on in my own life? That I haven't dealt with. Is, is there a pride problem? Is there an issue coming in? Something that's happened to me? I've just scratched the surface of this great psalm tonight. It's a great passage. And it's a very, very good message. I hope that these words can echo in your mind a little bit. But even more, I hope we can all take some long looks at this passage. In Proverbs chapter 25. That gives us so much information. About how to deal with our anger. Let's stand together please.